Hi there, and welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. Today's message is part of a series called Gems from Galatians. For more teaching on the book of Galatians, be sure to get a hold of Kevin's newly released commentary on this important letter written by the Apostle Paul. Kevin's new commentary is available in paperback format from Amazon, in ebook format for Kindle, and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. What we'll do, uh, we'll pick up in uh, verse 6 and then uh, read a few verses here and there, uh, and we'll be a couple of weeks or so on this chapter. All right, Galatians uh, 3 and verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Then going way down to verse uh, 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the uh, manner of men, though it, is, uh, if it, be, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant uh, that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the promise be, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave to Abraham by promise. Uh, wherefore then serves the law? What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till these seeds should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. I think we'll hold it uh, there for the present. Okay, let's uh, just review our outline of our chapters that we're looking at here. And uh, we've been putting this up on, uh, on uh, the overhead each week. All right, so in our first couple of sessions, uh, we're looking at the book here, uh, Galatians, the Book of Christian Liberty. And it divides itself into uh, three simple sections here. So uh, first section, the personal section, chapters 1 and 2. Then the doctrinal section, which we're moving into tonight, chapters 3 and 4. And then the practical section, uh, pra- uh, chapters 5 and 6. In the first sessions, we looked at the gospel according to Paul, mainly chapter 1. Then uh, last week we uh, particularly dealt with the gospel apostles Peter and Paul and their distinctive and uh, unique ministries. Uh, Paul the apostle to the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, and Peter the apostle to the circumcision, the Jews. All right, now tonight we want to move in a more heavier section on the covenants, particularly Abrahamic, Mosaic, and new at least a little bit, and then uh, see how we go in the next couple of weeks on the covenant sons, the allegory of Ishmael and Isaac. Now I need to ask you a uh, question here. How many have had any teaching on covenants at all? Hands up. All right, most of you haven't. Is that, is that what you're saying? How many have not had any teaching on covenants? Hands up. Okay, a lot of people. So I'll try and take this slowly tonight 
uh, because we're moving into a pretty, pretty heavy section and uh, sorry to say a very neglected section. All right, now let's go to our notes first of all. All right, now you'll notice uh, on your notes here the title of our session tonight, uh, at least introducing it, is Abraham and the Covenant of Faith. You'll notice right through the passage we read there, Abraham uh, was justified by faith, not by works. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith. Now remember the whole issue in the epistle to the Galatian church is justification by faith in Jesus, not justification by works of Moses. So this is the conflict we've seen all the way through, whether it's circumcision, Sabbath days, eating pork or not eating pork, or the ceremonials of the law added to Jesus. So Jesus in one hand, Moses in the other. That's the conflict. And as I said uh, uh, in an earlier session, the whole issue in my mind in the Galatian church is covenantal confusion. There's a confusion of covenants. And uh, when we uh, uh, put the, uh, the overhead on and gave you a copy of this, actually, um, uh, several sessions back, you will sort of may remember this. So let me just uh, put it on again and to remind you. And that the uh, confusion here was, as we saw on a previous session, that they were taking things of the old covenant, uh, circumcision and material temples and uh, the ironic priesthood, incense, bells and smells, incense and nonsense, uh, certain elements of the feast of the Lord, the Sabbath days, earthly Jerusalem and all that, taking things from the old covenant and trying to impose it on the new covenant. And the whole issue, as we said, was covenantal confusion. Uh, all of you should have got that diagram some uh, some uh, sessions back. All right, now let's go to your notes here. And uh, you'll notice uh, under A, B, and C, I put uh, several key thoughts that we begin with. First of all, Father Abraham. So he's going way back beyond Moses. He's going back to Father Abraham, not Moses. Moses is not the father of all who believe. Abraham is the father of all who believe. So he's going way back to Abraham. Under B, the next key thought we have is the word covenant. And then under C, we have the next key word, promise or promises, key word. So there are three things. Now, I'd like you to uh, look at the verses with me, first of all, and sort of uh, lay a foundation here. All right, so look at the references, and I'll put them all there uh, on, on your notes, just at least the verses. How many times Abraham is referred to? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least nine times. Let's look at those references. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and uh, verse 6. Abraham believed God. Uh, I don't know whether you mark your Bible or not. I've circled Abraham and all these references pretty well. So Abraham believed God. He didn't work for justification. He believed God. All right, chapter 3, verse 7. Those that are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faithful. Those that are of faith are the children of Abraham. Chapter 3, verse 8 which we spent uh, an evening on, and the scripture foreseeing or seeing beforehand that God would justify the heathen not through works of the law and the Mosaic covenant, but through faith, the Abrahamic covenant, the new covenant, which we'll come to. 
saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Chapter 3, verse 9. So then they which be of faith, so we're talking about the covenant of faith, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Chapter 3, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham, and what is the blessing of Abraham? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, not through works of the law or through Moses, but through Jesus Christ. Always think of the law of opposites, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Not seeds as uh, many, plural, but as one to thy seed, which is Christ. And then chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Chapter 3 and verse 29, which we didn't read, but uh, we'll read now chapter 3, verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed. Not Moses' seed, Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So you have to read uh, what we refer to as the law of opposites when he says you're Abraham's seed and therefore brings you to the covenant Abraham. You're not Moses' seed. Never says that. Abraham's seed. And then the final reference is found in the... uh, pertaining to the allegory, which we'll spend a whole night on, chapter 4 and verse 22. And just while we're on thought of covenants, let me put that into your mind there. Verse 22 of chapter 4. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Let's go to verse 24 and connect it up. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. So Abraham's two sons are two covenants. So try and get covenantal thinking in your mind. Okay, Abraham had two sons. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. So Ishmael and Isaac, two covenants. All right, now let's go to the next key word, just to put it into your mind here, is the word on your note there is covenant, which is really a key thought. Chapter 2, correction, the typewriter made a mistake again. Chapter 3, Always blame the typewriter now. Chapter 3, verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of man, though it be but a man's covenant, if it be confirmed, we'll explain that later on, no man disannuls or adds to. You can't add to it or take it away from it if it's been confirmed with an oath. Okay, then verse 17. And this I say that the law... And I'll add another word here and repeat it later on. And this I say that the law covenant, which was 430 years later, cannot disannul or annul the Abrahamic covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ as should make the promise of none effect. And then uh, you can add to your notes uh, uh, from chapter 4 again on the word covenant. Chapter 4, verse 22, which, uh, verse 24, pardon me, chapter 4, verse 24, which things are an allegory for these are two covenants. I may like, might like to make a note of it. Ishmael is a covenant. Isaac is a covenant. Abraham had two sons, and these two sons are an allegory, two covenants. Covenants. Okay, now let's go to the third key word here. And you'll notice it's the word promise or promises. 
and it's used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least eleven times. Let's just touch on those verses, chapter three. And uh, I'm doing this just to encourage you to uh, mark your Bible or circle the word. Chapter 3, verse 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, not through works of the law, but through faith. Chapter 3, verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Chapter 3, verse 17, that the law cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. Chapter 3, 18. Uh, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. Chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Chapter 3, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Chapter 3, verse 22. The scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Chapter 3, verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then two references from chapter 4 in verse 23. For he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. And then the last reference to the word promise uh, chapter 4, verse 28. Now, we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Everybody said hallelujah. All right, now let's uh, move on to section D here, and then you'll have a little fill-in in a moment. Okay, condensing a lot of material here and just a, a little commercial. If you want full exposition of this, uh, there's a couple of good books out in the bookshop there entitled The Covenants by Connor and Molman. And also, New Covenant Realities by Connor, a close friend of mine. All right, so definition of covenant. Okay, English definition is a mutual understanding between two or more parties, each binding himself to fulfill specified obligations, a legal contract, a binding or written agreement between persons. Okay, that's the English definition of covenant. In the Hebrew... Uh, the word means a compact because uh, made by passing between pieces of flesh. I'd like you to turn over these two references here. And uh, uh, how, how many have read E.W. E. Kenyon's little book, The Blood Covenant? It's an excellent little booklet. I, I think it's still available. And uh, another one by Trumbull, I think it is, on, on The Covenant. And uh, that's where Kenyon got his uh, thoughts from. But uh, ex excellent booklets on the blood covenant. Turn to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. And verse 17. How are you doing out there, everybody okay? All right, Genesis 15, verse 17. And at the same time, I want you to turn to the other reference I've got on your notes there. Jeremiah 34 and verse 18. So we'll just hold these two scriptures together. Genesis 15 and verse 17 and uh, Jeremiah 34 verse 18. Let me just read the scriptures together and then I'll uh, expand a little bit. Genesis 15 and verse 17. It came to pass 
that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. You need to add, add uh, the next scripture too, the next verse. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant. Uh, the word made there in the Hebrew is literally the Lord cut a covenant. I'll explain that in a moment. The Lord cut a covenant with Abraham, the cutting of the covenant, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So the Lord cut the covenant. That's what the Hebrew word is. He made or literally cut the covenant. Now hold Genesis 15 and turn to Jeremiah 34 verse 18. 18 and 19. You can add both uh, verses to be uh, more exacting. Jeremiah 34 verse 18. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts thereof. So listen to the language, cutting the covenant. Not performed, they have transgressed my covenant, broken the covenant, they have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, so they made the covenant before God and broke it, when they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts thereof. The princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land which passed between the parts of the calf. Now, let me just go over to the board here and uh, illustrate something that we've got here, first of all. Go back, uh, keep, I uh, hope you've got Genesis 15 still open. I'll try not to get too heavy here. We're going to be heavy enough as it is. But uh, as you go to Genesis 15 now, uh, up the top of the chapter, a lot of chapters have this, God's covenant with Abraham. And it's just too vast to go into, but because Paul in Galatians go back to, is going back to Genesis 15, you'll see some of the things here. Verse 1, after these things... After what things? The visit of Melchizedek and the um, Abraham receiving the communion, the bread and the wine, first record of communion in chapter 14. And after Abraham giving Melchizedek tithes, first record of giving of tithes is by Father Abraham, the father of all who believe. After these things, so much significance in what I said there, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. So Abraham has a little chit-chat with the Lord and says, Well, that's great news, but uh, I've got no child and this uh, servant in my house, Damascus, and I've got no seed, yet you promised me this years ago. And the Lord says, Okay, this is not going to be your heir, but someone that's going to be bought out of your own being. And then the Lord in verse 5 said, He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell or try and number the stars if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And now here's the first use of the word believed. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Now Paul is going way back. To Abraham is the father of all believers. Abraham believed God. When uh, Sarah was a dear lady, beautiful old lady, but barren, Abraham, he was getting a bit old in the tooth, and he was barren. 
And now God says, count the stars. Now, in the previous chapters, God said, count the sand of the sea, the dust of the earth. But now he moves from the dust seed, the natural, national, natural Israel, Abraham's seed after the flesh, to the heavenly seed, the stars, the spiritual Israel. So Abraham believed God. Now, in the next few verses, just to try and condense here, otherwise we'll spend the whole night on this. In verse 9, he said to him, Take me in heifer, three years old, so... Okay, this one's gone dry. Take me in heifer, three years old. And, so let's put this up here. So take a heifer, three years old. You'll notice the number three here, a heifer three years old. And in verse 9, a she-goat, a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old. What's God doing all this for? Three years old, three years old, three years old, nine years involved, and I want you to take a turtle dove. That's not a little turtle, that's a turtle dove, a pigeon, okay? And a young pigeon. Now, you'll you'll notice here, and I just have to restrain a little bit so we don't get tied on this all night. One, two, three, four, five offerings here. Designated, specified offerings Later on, when God gives the Mosaic Covenant, he's going to give them five offerings. He's shadowing something here. Three, three, three. We don't know how old the birds were. He didn't give any age on that. That might be a bit difficult to tell their age. Now, listen to the peculiar thing God tells him to do. In verse 10, And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. So I want you to notice what he do. He cuts the heifer in half and he cuts the she-goat in half and the ram in half, but the birds he didn't divide. So we've got two, four, six, eight pieces of sacrifice. Now when this is done, so five, eight, nine, God's got some peculiar thing How many know that God's not getting Abraham to do this for the fun of it? How many know that God has something in mind that uh, we we don't see on the surface? And so he laid each each piece one against another, but the birds divided not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses to pollute the sacrifice, I had that there, Abraham drove them away. He wasn't going to let those dirty birds, those vultures, pollute the God-ordained sacrifice because God is entering into covenantal relationship with Abraham. And so, uh, verse 12, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. If you please, this is Abraham's Calvary experience. Because later on, Abraham's seed is going to go when he receives 
five wounds on Calvary before he comes to resurrection on the eighth day and his body and blood are shed on the cross, he experiences a horror of great darkness when God the Father forsook his son. All this is shadowed forth here. So it's, I call it Abraham's Calvary experience. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that your seed will be in a stranger, a stranger in the land that's not theirs, who shall serve them and afflict them 400 years. Just for the more studious ones, a year in the Bible times, not our year, was 360 days. And uh, if you go through here, he said they would serve them 400 years. And if you multiply 400 by 360, you end up with 144,000 days of suffering and affliction that the seed was going to experience in a land not theirs. And see, it all ends up in the book of Revelation with the 144,000 and something that goes on there. How many think God had a lot in mind here? He's not just telling Abraham now, we're just playing around, we're having a bit of fun. No, he has a lot in mind here. And uh, keep going. And also that nation whom they serve will I judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great substance and you go to your fathers and you'll be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, may I throw this in, I haven't got time to you know, give you all chapters and verse on this, but the fourth generation, do you know where it brings, it to, bring you, where it brings you to? It brings you to Moses when he brings the people out of Egypt. Trace the genealogy. But the iniquity of the Amorites is not full now. It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, what happened? A smoking furnace and a burning lamp. I'm not much of an artist here, but a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. And the custom was, as uh, the, those who do the blood covenant bring out, that when, uh, when people entered into covenantal relationship with each other, they would walk through the pieces as they declared their promises to each other and if any either of them broke the covenant or broke the promises of the covenant it would be over their dead body and so as the body and blood of the animals ratified the covenant sealed the covenant ratified the covenant they would enter into covenantal relationship with each other and so God the smoking furnace uh, without me taking time to turn the scriptures, was going to be the furnace of affliction in Egypt. And the burning lamp was the lamp of promise, of covenant. There's other scriptures that confirm that. We haven't got time to turn to them. So God himself is passing between the pieces as Abraham and God cut the covenant and entered into a covenantal relationship. Just for those a little bit more studious too, if you go down to verse, verse 19 uh, to 21, you've got uh, God mentions the nations, Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Parasites, Parasites, not Parasites, the Rephaims, the Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, uh, Jebusites. Hey, isn't that interesting? There are 10 nations mentioned there. And when you get to the book of Revelation, there's ten nations with the Antichrist that stands up against the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
So, uh, you know, God is cutting covenant, cutting the covenant. So when they pass between the pieces, so they still do it in certain tribes in Africa today. Uh, as you read some of the customs, they cut the vein there and they mingle their blood. And so we are now blood brothers. We've entered into covenantal relationship. And if anybody breaks the covenant, it'll be over my dead body. So everything that I've got is yours. Everything that you've got is mine. It's not what's mine is my own and what's yours is mine. No, everything belongs. There is a very serious thing. Now, how many see at least some inkling that when Jesus comes along later on and says, this is my body, this is my blood of the new covenant? And see, I believe because we in the Western world don't understand covenantal relationship much, uh, that's why the Lord's table doesn't mean much to a lot of people. Because that is the covenantal table. And when we partake of the body and blood, we are acknowledging you are my covenant brothers and sisters. How many think that's a pretty serious thing? You are, and I say that tonight. You are my covenant brothers and sisters. And I wouldn't want to do anything against the covenant and against you as brothers and sisters. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to do it against me either if I'm your covenant brother. Am I? Thank you, all six of you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, covenant, see, the covenant table. And so uh, when Paul talks about those that have the Lord's table and eat and drink unworthily, what's he mean? They're violating covenant against their brother or against their sister. That's, and that's why he said, this is why many are sick and weakly among you. Many die by not discerning the Lord's body. Let's put it another way, not not discerning and not keeping in covenant. So you can see why there's so much sickness and problems in the church because we don't understand covenant. How many understand what I'm saying here? So God entered into covenant. He cut the covenant. In that day, God cut the covenant. And the issue is Abraham believed God. Now, Paul is going back in Galatians, way back to Abraham. Now to Abraham and his promise. And we're going to pick that up in a subsequent session, the importance of the promises made to Abraham. Okay, let's continue on. Wow. All right, number two. So in the Hebrew, it's a compact because of uh, being made by passing between pieces of flesh. So God made a covenant, he literally, to cut the covenant. The Greek word uh, diatheke, actually, uh, from the uh, textbook I've got, uh, there's two words here, and I only put one uh, for time. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words for covenant. Diatheke, meaning a, dispensation, a disposition, arrangement, testament, or will. And then... Um, uh, there's another word, um, yeah, I can't find it here. Anyway, so I put the major one here. Uh, in the King James Version, diatheke is translated testament uh, and covenant. And I'll put uh, some scriptures there. So in Matthew chapter 26, it says, this is the new covenant. This is the new disposition, the new arrangement, the new testament, or the new will. It is properly a disposition and arrangement made by one party with plenary power, which the other party may accept or reject, but cannot alter it. And so I put some of the scriptures there. Jesus is the surety of the new covenant. The ark of the covenant was open. We have come unto Jesus, the blood of sprinkling, and a better covenant. So testament or covenant. So that's the thought we have there. Let me just read um, uh, out, of, out of the textbook uh, we wrote on this. In every case in scripture, when a covenant was instituted by God, 
and man, God is seen as the initiator. Man did not come to God with a proposal seeking God's approval. I mean, man didn't come to God and say, okay, God, let's make a deal. Let's enter in the covenant. No, it's God who's the initiator, not us. Rather, God came to man declaring his will and seeking man's adherence. And I think this statement's worth a hallelujah at the end of it. A covenant is a contract between God and man, drawn up by God and presented to man. Man can either accept it or reject it, but he cannot change it. And I think that's worth a hallelujah. Let me read that again. A covenant is, and the ones we're talking about tonight, a covenant is a contract between God and man, drawn up by God and presented to man. Man can either accept it or reject it, but he cannot change it. So God's made the covenant, and when we present the gospel, man can either accept it or reject it, but he can't change it. God says, I've made a covenant. Yes. Both, both did. We have no record here that he did, but I, I would assume that he did because the covenant was them passing between the peace and God. But God is the initiator. God is initiating. Abraham's not coming to God saying, we'll make a deal. God's coming to Abraham and, and enters into covenant with. But covenant's got to be two-way street. See? So Abraham accepted the covenant. That's it. He responds and said, yes, Lord, I accept your covenant. And Abraham believed God. Now, let's go to the next part here. Um, everybody doing all right out there? You're not swimming? Uh, you have a fill-in here, and uh, don't worry about this top part. It's just uh, too much to, to do. Uh, but I'd like you to take down this uh, bottom part here. I'll say this, don't worry about this, just your fill-in here. What constitutes a biblical covenant? Okay, this is really important. There are three things that are involved in a biblical covenant. Let me just work through this. Don't worry about this top part. I'll say it to you. Okay, in a biblical covenant, a biblical one we're talking about, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved. So on your lines there, uh, under number one, first of all, we have... That's, uh, here's your fill in here, the words and promises of the covenant. So for a covenant to be valid, a biblically, a biblical valid covenant, it has words and promises. Number two, there must be the blood of the covenant. The sacrifice, once you put the sacrifice, it includes both body and blood from up here. So the sacrifice of the covenant. And then number three, to make the covenant valid, you must have the seal of the covenant. So three things involved in a biblical covenant. The words and promises of the covenant, the sacrifice of the covenant, and the seal of the covenant. Now, because God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are involved in every covenant, which I've just given you an outline that we'll work through as far as we can tonight. So the Father is the originator, the initiator, the covenant maker and keeper, the first, the beginning. It all begins with him, the Father. And God the Father is entering into covenant with Abraham the Father. Abraham, you're a father. I'm a father. Abraham, you're going to have an only begotten son, which is a covenant. Ishmael is a covenant. I'm a father. I'm going to make covenants. 
Okay, begins with the Father. The Father's the beginning. The Son is the sacrifice of body and blood, the second person. He is the mediator and ratifier of the covenant. So we have the sacrifice of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant enjoined to you. This is the blood of the New Testament, the new covenant, the new will, the new arrangement. And then every covenant to be official must have a seal on it. And so the Holy Spirit, His ministry in the covenant, uh, because Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the covenantors way back in eternity before man even existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were the covenantors. Man was going to be the beneficiary of the covenants. But he bombed out. So the Holy Spirit, his ministry is as the executor appointed to carry out the will and testament of the Father and the Son, the third person, the completer and fulfiller of the covenant. And the Holy Spirit is the seal of the covenant. Why don't you turn over to uh, a scripture that's not on your notes here. Turn to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter... I think it's chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. You don't have to take that down on the overhead. Hebrews chapter 9, just, just to fill in. This is, this is a very important scripture here. Hebrews 9 and uh, verse 14. Uh, yeah, verse 4. Uh, uh, it's all so good, isn't it? Ask your question. It's also good, isn't it? All right, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, in contrast to the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause... The blood and the Spirit, in verse 14, the blood and the Spirit. For this cause he is the mediator of the new covenant, testament, covenant, same Greek word, diatheke, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let me just throw this uh, thought in and run away. No Old Testament saint is saved by animal blood. They are saved by faith in the coming Lord Jesus Christ. When they accepted the body and blood of an animal sacrifice, it was faith in the coming Messiah. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all saints, Old Testament and New Testament. That's what this verse is saying. For that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions, that were under the first testament, the old testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now listen to verse 16 and 17, so powerful. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The moment Jesus said, this is the new testament in my blood, he obligated himself to die. We say it again. The moment Jesus said, this is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood, he obligated himself to die. Listen to verse 16 again. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And listen to verse 17. For a testament is a force after men are dead. 
Otherwise, it is of no power, no strength at all, while the testator liveth. Let me read what, what's implied here. For a testament, the New Testament is of a force or comes into effect after Jesus died. Otherwise, it is of no strength while Jesus the testator liveth. So as long as Jesus lived, we could not receive the benefits of the New Testament. The moment he died, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. I mean, just before he died, when he instituted the Lord's table, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. He obligated himself to die. And so after that, he went out and suffered on Calvary, his broken body and shed blood, and fulfilled all that was shadowed back here. How many love Jesus? And how many appreciate Jesus? So, wow. This is powerful. I'm in a covenantal relationship with the Lord and with my brothers and sisters. Powerful verse. That's not on your notes. Okay. Now, let's finish this uh, part here. Not getting too far. All right. So now, here we have the words and promises of the covenant, the Father and the Son, the sacrifice of the covenant, the Holy Spirit, the seal. Now, listen carefully to this. And uh, I've left a little bit of... Uh, uh, room there for you to write this on. See, in the, in the uh, words and promises of the covenant, we have the Father's word to us. In the sacrifice of the covenant, we have the Son's work for us. And in the seal of the covenant, we have the Holy Spirit's work in us. I'll say this again, I'll say this and I'll, I'll give you time to take it down. This is what I believe and this is something, you know, I, I continually pray. Oh, I need that again. Uh, I pray, the Holy Spirit has come to do in us what Jesus did for us, and Jesus did for us what the Father promised to us. I think that's worth a hallelujah, don't you? Let me say it again. So the Holy Spirit has come to do in us what Jesus did for us, and the Son did for us what the Father promised to us. So it's just a prayer I often pray as, you know, as I'm seeking the Lord and, and, and early in my morning time, I say, oh, Holy Spirit, just do in me what Jesus did for me. Because what he did for me is judicial truth. What the Spirit does in us is experiential truth. So the Holy Spirit wants to do in us experientially what Jesus did for us judicially legally. Everybody understand that? So that's just a good prayer to pray. Holy Spirit, come and do in me what Jesus did for me. And Jesus does, did for us what the Father promised to us. So it's really important to understand that. The Father's work to us, the Son's work in us, and the Holy Spirit's work in us. So Holy Spirit, do in me what Jesus did for me and what the Father promised to me. Thank you, Father. Covenant. I think uh, one of the best illustrations of this is uh, uh, marriage. Turn, turn over to Malachi. This is not on your notes, by the way. Malachi chapter, chapter 2. Turn to Malachi chapter 2. Uh, this scripture is not on your notes. And... Uh, this is, this is such a powerful scripture here. Malachi chapter 2 and just uh, verse 14 and 15 and 16. 
Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, 15 and 16. The Lord is uh, rebuking uh, Judah through the prophet Malachi, and they're complaining. Yet you say, wherefore? Why, they're crying out and they're having tears and weeping and screaming out and they feel God doesn't listen to them. They offer offerings and God doesn't seem to be taking those and they're saying, well, why? Why isn't God listening to us? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. And did he not make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. How many know that the Bible teaches, and that's just one verse, that marriage is a covenant? Mrs. Connor, would you come up here, please? I'll give you a copy of my notes later on if you behave. Uh, Please take this kindly now. Um, And there's a lot of people hurt over this, but see, divorce is breaking the covenant. And see, one of the things that concern me, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So people come to church to get married by the minister, but they never come to church to get divorced. They go to the world. And so the world continually undoes what the church does. So what God has joined together in the church, let no man put asunder in the divorce courts. And my wife has experienced that. And so that's a whole subject in itself. But uh, in, a, in, in the marriage covenant, these three things are involved. The words and promises of the covenant, sacrifice of the covenant, the sin, now I call it expensive. Um, now that, that wasn't in the, in the promise. So. For better for uh, poor, for richer, for poor, for in sickness in the house, until not divorce to his part, but until death to his part. And then... You made those promises to me, didn't you? Have you yes. kept them? Yes. Yes. So she said the same to me. So what were we doing before the minister and the people who were there? How many were there? <laughs> it's a wild night, wasn't it? Uh, we, we made words and promises, the promises of the marriage covenant. Have I kept them? Yes. Yeah. You'd better... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, now please take this, uh, well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to the final part for a moment. Then the minister said, okay, what token is to be given, or what seal, what token is to be given that you will faithfully perform these vows, these promises? And I said, a ring. And so he got out a piston ring. No, 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 he got, uh, said, ring, that's a nice ring, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not the one, is it? It's this one. Oh, these three. Yeah. Wow, they were pricey, weren't they? But when, when, when she worshipped the Lord, she waves the ring around. Hallelujah. I'm married to Kevin. We're on the way to heaven. Hallelujah. That's the seal. To any other guy, say, just keep your big eyes. No, ever, any other lady, that's right. Keep your big eyes off Kevin. He's mine. Boots and all. Okay. See, that was the seal. 
And see, when they get divorced, they take the seal off. They undo the covenant promises. And I, I fear for every judge that does that. Unless there's a scriptural reason. Now, there are scriptural reasons. Okay, but I just want to get one point across here. And then, to be very sacred here, when the couple have made the covenant promises and sealed the same by the joining of hands and the giving and receiving of rings, then there comes the marriage relationship, and this is a very sacred thing, but there's the union of body and blood where each sacrifice themselves to each other physically in that God-ordained marriage relationship. And God says, everybody else out. This is covenant. Thank you, dear, for keeping the covenant. Yes, she's worth it. How many see a covenant is a very serious thing? Have you had enough? We've been going an hour. All right, uh, we'll have to continue on this next week, but take out this sheet here. No, we need to go to F a moment, don't we? Yeah, we need to go to F a little bit. All right, now, on the, on the sheet here, on the, uh, yeah, under F, I've got the covenants of God in the Bible, and uh, there is a difference of opinion amongst the expositors on this. I personally believe that there are nine covenants, some say seven, uh, but I believe there's nine. I won't take time to confirm that here. Uh, done that fully. Now, on the top of this uh, sheet of outline here, we have up the top... Uh, the eternal Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, basically in seed form what we've got here. So we've got the Father's words, the Son's sacrifice, and the Holy Spirit's seal. The everlasting covenant. Now what I believe briefly on that is way back in eternity, before God created the angels or before God created man, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are the covenantors. And they could have lived in solitary, I was going to say solitary loneliness as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But somewhere in the heart of God, he said, I'd like to create some creatures who could I, pour, I could pour my love upon and they could reciprocate my love. So he created the angels, later on he created man. When he created man, he created man and made covenant relationship with him. Now, just briefly, just, just fill in a little bit of, of, of this. So we have what I have got here up the top, the covenants, the Edenic, the Adamic, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Palestinian, Davidic, and you. Now, I'm giving you an overview of covenants because what we're after, we're, the conflict is in the book of Galatians uh, is over the Abrahamic and the Mosaic covenants. That's the problem. Covenantal confusion. All right. So um, you'll notice I've put the three there, the words or promises of the covenant, and then number two, the sacrifice of the covenant, uh, our body and blood, and then the seal or token of the covenant. Let's just put down a scripture here and there 
and see how far we can go in our last uh, number of moments. All right, the Edenic Covenant, as I said, this has been dealt with very fully in the uh, text, but uh, just put down Genesis chapter 1. This is in your column here, in the Edenic column. We're going to work down here. Number one, the words and promises, sacrifice the seal. I'll just give you scriptures and give you the key thought. Because we're only doing this because we want to get to the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenant where the problem is in the book of Galatians. Are you all understanding me? Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 30. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 30. And Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. Those scriptures are the words or promises of the covenant. All right, the sacrifice of the covenant under the Edenic covenant, and this is, put this word, it's implied, it's implied. I believe, now, as I said, this is implied, I can't give you exact chapter and verse for this. Uh, I believe that when Adam was put under chloroform, a divine anesthetic, maybe he bled to provide his bride. Maybe, because the, the bride came from his side. Now, whether the first Adam bled to provide his bride, I do know that the last Adam bled to provide his bride. So I would see type and anti-type. So just implication. But we will say the sacrifice of the covenant, Adam sacrificed a rib a bone, a rib from his body. And I like what uh, one of the early fathers said, that when uh, God didn't take a bone from Adam's head so that the woman could be browbeaten by the man, and he didn't take a bone from Adam's foot so the woman could be trampled on, but he took a bone from Adam's rib, the place nearest to his heart, so that the woman could be loved and protected. I like that. All you women said, Amen. tell that to your husband. Say, hubby, did you hear that? I like it. Amen. So, implied sacrifice there. Okay, the seal of the covenant, Genesis chapter 2. I'll say what I believe the seal was. Uh, I haven't got time to, you know, I'd be, this would take months to do this properly. Okay, the tree of life, the tree of eternal life was the seal of the covenant. Genesis uh, 3, verse 22 to 24. Genesis 3, verse 22 to 24. And isn't this interesting? Put down Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. Genesis, uh, Revelation 22, verse 14. Isn't this interesting? It says, the last promise in the Bible uh, to... Uh, Blessed are they that keep his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. You know what's implied there? Adam broke the commandment and lost the right to the tree of life. So the thing we lost in Adam is gained in Jesus. That was the seal of the covenant. Okay, now you'll notice on your notes there, this is the only covenant made before sin. It's what we call the covenant of creation. It's made before sin. All the rest of the covenants, the Adamic, Noahic, Abrahamic, 
Mosaic, Palestinian, Davidic, and New Covenant, all those covenants are made after sin and they're made during time, this is all on your notes, redemption. So covenant of creation and covenant of redemption. All right, let's go to the Adamic, just a few more minutes here. All right, the Adamic covenant, the words of the covenant are in Genesis chapter 3. Just put Genesis 3. Then this is more clear. The sacrifice of the covenant, am I going too fast? Are you doing all right? Sacrifice of the covenant is Genesis 3.21. And there we are told, and again this is implied, but it's uh, more implicit than the previous, Adam and Eve were clothed in the coats of skin. So it means that some animal must have had a broken body and shed blood in order that through that animal's death, a coat of skin would be provided as a God-given covering. How many believe that Adam and Eve will be in heaven? Hands up. How many don't believe it? How many are frightened of getting caught? How many have got a lying spirit? Yes. Adam and Eve, the reason I believe they'll be in heaven, they could have said to God, hey, listen, God, we like our fig leaf bikini suits. Isn't this interesting in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6? Maybe it's pointing back to this. It says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf. How many know that Adam and Eve in the fig leaf bikini department, their fig leaf would have faded because it was a self-made covering, a covering of works, self-righteousness to make themselves presentable to God. They had to do something. So they wanted to be accepted because they felt rejection and non-acceptance. It all began there. Don't blame your grandmother. Go back to Adam. Adam and Eve, blame them. When I get to heaven, it's ladies first. Um, Oh, some of you got that. Some of you get it midnight tonight. Okay, so coats of skin. All right, the seal. I mean, that was the sacrifice. And also it is the seal. So the sacrifice is implied. Body and blood of an animal. God must have killed an animal. And then the seal and token was the coats of skin. Sorry on that. Just put both those references there. Genesis 3.21 and Genesis uh, uh, 3.21 again. The sacrifice body and blood, and then the coats of skin. All right, the last one we'll do now is the Noahic, and then we'll pick up the Abrahamic, God willing, next week. All right, the Noahic covenant, a little bit more simpler. The scriptures on this, the words and promises, are Genesis chapter 8 and 9, the chapters. Genesis chapters 8 and 9, they're the words or promises of the covenant. And then number two, the sacrifice of the covenant, very clear on this one, Genesis 8, Genesis 8, verse 20 to 21. Genesis 8, verse 20 to 21. And here we have the first specific mention of altar and clean sacrifices, clean animals. So we're told that Noah built an altar to the Lord and offered of every clean animal on the altar. There's the sacrifice, the body and blood of the victim. And everybody ought to know this. What is the sign and seal of the Noahic Covenant? You see it in Melbourne quite a lot. The rainbow, still with us. 
Genesis 9, verses 12 to 17. Genesis 9, 12 to 17. Why, why don't you put uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 3 as well. Genesis 9, verse 12 to 17. Revelation 4, verse 3. The last mention of the rainbow, pretty well. Oh, the last, uh, second last mention is in the book of Revelation where John is caught up in the Spirit and he sees the rainbow around the throne. He sees the full circle. Do you know that we never see the full circle? Because we only see it from man's viewpoint. But from God's viewpoint, the full circle of the rainbow. So the rainbow cult is trying to steal God's symbol of his promise, of his covenant. So every time I see the rainbow, I say, God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. Thank you, Father. Come back next week for this exciting episode. Make sure you bring your sheep. Don't come back next week and say, oh, could I have another sheep? If you do, 10 cents a copy. All right, have you understood what we've been on and we've been too heavy tonight? Okay, let's all stand and have a word of prayer. Father, we just uh, come to you at the close of our time together of sharing in your, in your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is, uh, is heavenly manna, it's spiritual food to the spiritual man. And we thank you, Lord, that through your word, not, uh, not just through our mind, but into our spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. May the word that we have received tonight be food to our soul, stimulation to our heart and mind, and strength to our spirit. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and that we are in covenant relationship with you, Lord. Lord, that you keep your covenant, whether we accept it or reject it. But we thank you that by your grace, your Holy Spirit wooed us into covenantal relationship, not only with yourself, but with each other. Help us, Father, to understand covenant in a greater way, and Lord, as we uh, receive each other, greet each other, that we look on one another as covenantal brothers and sisters and not to do anything that would violate the covenant. Bless your word to our hearts and seal it. Strengthen our marriage covenants. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.